Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. We're in Torah portion 47. I'm Pastor Scott Sigmund. In the back there is my gorgeous wife, uh, Miss Lydia, Pastor Lydia. And uh, we've been in holy deadlock, I mean holy wedlock for some 40 years. So, uh, you know, we are a power team. And uh, so we're in Deuteronomy 11 today, 11.26, if you want to open your Bibles to Deuteronomy 11.26. Today's Torah study is usually read during the month of Elul, the Jewish-Hebrew month of Elul, the final month on the civil calendar, uh, the civil uh, biblical calendar. And this is when uh, the fall biblical holidays begin. Uh, Elul is the season of Teshuvah. Uh, and Teshuvah, as we've learned from Pastor Larry in studying our Jewish roots, is a returning, uh, uh, a repenting, a returning to God. God is calling out through the key symbol of the season, the shofar, the trumpet of God, and that sounding, uh, waking us up to return to the right priorities, to get our lives in order. There's something coming. There's a judgment coming. And we don't want to miss the judgment. Not every judgment is a bad judgment. If you go to civil court and you have a, a, a case in civil court, you want the judge to rule in your favor. They look at the evidence and, oh, okay, I award thee a million dollars. Right? But uh, it's to wake us up spiritually and charitably uh, to make ourselves and the world a better place. Love that church is essential. I've seen that somewhere. (laughs) Very nice. Church is essential. This Friday, we begin a special 40-day journey. And Pastor, with the help of people like me and Tamara and others, have put together a 40 Days of the Shofar devotional. And you can go to the website. You'll see a little uh, graphic there, 40 Days of the Shofar. Click on that. Register for free. And for the next 40 days, beginning on Friday morning, you'll get uh, a daily uh, video devotional by Pastor Larry uh, talking about and sounding the shofar. And so some people do all 40. Some people just get to it while they can. Some people sign up and never do it at all. Uh, But nonetheless, God is moving in this season and we're headed towards an outpouring of blessing. And I could use a little more blessing, but blessing comes with seed sown. There'll be a little rain falling on us here and there, but intentionally we can activate the blessing if we just follow in Jesus's footsteps. Amen. Amen. Now that we're a Christian, that ought not to be scary. (laughs) Amen, amen, amen. And so uh, the the teaching today, and we obviously could teach, and and Pastor I'm sure will teach on Elul and the Shofar and so on. Uh, But all of this coincidentally, coincidentally, Holy Ghost coincidentally intersects with one of the most powerful teachings in all the Bible uh, in today's Torah portion. And it begins in Deuteronomy 11.26. And uh, turn your, uh, over there if you brought your Bible or if you do it on your tablet or uh, your smartphone. And it begins and it says, See... I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. Okay, the blessing, if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God that I am giving you today, and the curse if you don't. And then it goes on from there. So God begins this Torah study with the word see. May God give us eyes to see. 
Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, so I can see what you're doing, what you're saying. And how many of you know a lot of what God is doing and saying has already been written down? We don't need some kind of uh, spirit of uh, divination to, to help us understand what God... He wrote it down. It's not a guessing game. Amen. I had to uh, get a new garage door opener and figure out, now how do I program this new garage? It's really not that hard, but when you look at the directions, it seems hard. <laughs> how many of you look at directions and you just instantly, like me, go into a panic? <laughs> directions! Instructions! Ah! <laughs> And then we read things like this. I set before you blessing and cursing. The blessings if you follow my instructions. The cursings if you don't. And in church in general, many people still struggle with that. They kept telling me there's nothing I have to do. (laughs) And now you're saying I got to do something? You don't have to do anything to experience eternal life like the thief on the cross. I pledge my allegiance to you, G. Boom, it's done in a millisecond. But beyond that, there's many other things that we want activated in our life, and that just doesn't happen because you have a new abracadabra. God does, is not a genie. You don't rub the Bible hard enough and poof, genie God pops out and your first of three wishes is, I want 10 million new wishes. <laughs> so in, in uh, this teaching and this scripture in uh, Deuteronomy 11, uh, God's establishing a divine principle. Well, we don't have to follow all that Old Testament. No, they're divine principles. Of course you follow divine principles. If you don't, it's going to cause you to stray off the path and you keep wondering, why do I take one step forward and three steps back all the time? I've been doing this with the Lord for 20 years and I never seem to get it right. Gosh, that's... Thank, I won't ask for a show of... How many of you don't fit that description? You're doing it right to the best of your ability. I see that hand, that hand, that hand. That Good. But this divine principle is actually repeated hundreds of times in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation. One of the scriptures that I learned early on uh, was from the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 1. Turn over there with me if you have your Bible in Isaiah 119. It says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. America, American Christian hate that verse. Because we're We're rebels. <laughs> But what happens to rebels is in verse 20. If you refuse and rebel, you'll be eaten by the sword. So that, uh, that instinct to rebel against authority, question authority. That might have worked good when you were a college student, you know, listening to college professors that hate America and want to teach that America is the worst place on earth. But if you're a believer, it's you got to believe something. What do you believe in as a believer? Are you a believing believer? I believe in the Word of God. And if we're willing and obedient to the Word, things work out good. If we keep refusing and rebelling, you know, bad things happen. Prophet Isaiah. Ah, that's just Old Testament gobbledygook. Well, how about the New Testament then? I'm a New Testament guy. That's the only thing I read and all that other stuff is garbage. No, don't, you know, hold your horses. Or as our friend uh, from ESPN, Coach Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. Look at Romans chapter 2. The whole chapter is uh, speaking uh, of these principles. But look at Romans 2, verse 6. God will judge everyone according to what they have done. Oh, I knew the Bible was cultish. 
They kept telling me on TV, all those hyper grace guys said, there's nothing I have to do. But here it says, you're going to be judged by what you do or don't do. So when it's all said and done, hopefully you uh, aren't the guy that uh, uh, has more said than done. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good. Seeking after the glory and the honor and the immortality that God offers. How many of you are doing that? Yeah, all those hands for those on the podcast. Lots of people here, uh, social distance, wearing masks, learning the word, and seeking after the glory and the honor and the immortality that God offers. But then in verse 8, he pours out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth. There's that old word, obey. I don't have to obey nothing, Lord Jesus. (laughs) Just doesn't kind of uh, the oxymoron thing, right? And so Romans chapter 2 tells you that very same principle. And yet there's another lesson to be learned in today's study. God sets before us blessings and cursings. He says, basically, the concept is don't think that your future will be determined by forces outside your control. God has given us a very special gift, folks. We have the gift of choice. We can choose this day who we will serve. We can choose to do it God's way and experience the blessing, or we can choose to do it our own way, the Frank Sinatra way. I did it my way. (laughs) But don't think your future, this is the lie right now that's going around our society, that your future is, is over. There's no hope for you. You, you, uh, the, the, the system is working against you, and there's no future because it's already been predetermined by evil people uh, over the last hundreds of years. But see, if you're a believer, you can't believe that lie. You've got to believe in your heart that I serve a God who's no respecter of persons. That anyone who comes to me in faith can receive the promises of God. Whatever those promises are. Now, of course, we know there's outside forces that are trying to affect our lives. Some for good, some for bad. But what matters is your response, your ongoing response. 10% of life is what happens to you. 90% is how you respond. Do you respond in faith? Do you respond according to the word of God? Or do you get wrapped up in the moment and all of a sudden you join the rock throwing ministry? So God gave us the power of choice. And it begins by choosing God's ways over our ways, right? Right? That's just part of the, the deal. That, that's what it means when you go to the altar and say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I make you Lord of my life. Right? You're choosing Jesus and you're choosing to follow his, to become a disciple of the way he does things. Now, when you choose to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, you receive eternal life. Bam, John 3.16. Bam, John 3.16 happens. But John 3.16 isn't our only goal. Now that we have John 3.16, there's other scriptures that we need to learn how to apply in our lives. That one worked out good. And if that's all you got, well, that'll be enough. But if we're going to be around for a while, we want more than just the John 3.16 revelation, right? Are we all in agreement? This is the idea of the difference between eternal life and abundant life. Nothing you have to do for eternal life. 
But for abundant life, there's a whole lot of things that have to get in place in order to activate the abundant life promises. There's going to be biblical principles that lead to blessing. And there's going to be old sinful habits that need to be overcome because those old sinful habits, even as a believer, will block the blessing. And uh, when we get into teaching on curses, many of those old habits, those B.C., before Christ habits, have become strongholds. And a stronghold is something that is deeply embedded and rooted in your heart that causes you to act and respond a certain way. And that way has probably got nothing to do with the B-I-B-L-E. And God is saying, now that you got the John 3.16 revelation, let me give you some more revelation so that any of those deceptions, those strongholds, those things the devil uses to block the blessing, we need to be delivered from those things. We need to break the curse. So even though we're saved, our day-to-day life can still be filled with the consequences of sin. Just because I came to the altar doesn't mean abracadabra, all the consequences went away. I maxed out 12 credit cards, I got three furniture loans, I got an RV loan, a boat loan, and I lost my job. God, why did you allow that to happen? Well, maybe you could have used some financial management wisdom. So sometimes Christians are going to argue that now that we're saved, there's nothing we have to do. They convince themselves that the altar call experience and then just attending church is pretty much all that's left. Some teach there's no need to put any effort out. If you try to put any effort out to learn and obey the word, to become a doer of the word, that somehow you're negating the grace of God. You're trying to earn your way. But is that true? Well, let's uh, dig into this a little bit. Consider what Jesus said in Luke 4.18. Turn over in your Bibles to Luke 4.18. This is explaining, uh, the Lord explaining his ministry. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised. So notice here that the Lord's redeeming power includes various things, not just getting to heaven. It includes healing. It includes spiritual vision. It includes deliverance from being held captive to your past sin. But if you think about it, even as Christians, we can lack vision. Even as Christians, we can need healing. And even as Christians, we can still be held captive to vexing, painful, sinful, hurtful, damaging thoughts and emotions. This is where deliverance comes in. Another way to say that is the breaking of generational curses. Deliverance means freedom, liberty, and remission for the remission of sin. So you have to ask yourself as a believer, and this is where Elul comes in, the 40 days, the sounding of the shofar, we examine ourselves. It's where the 50 days between Passover to Pentecost comes in when we're on a journey to go from the slave mentality to the word of God mentality. We want to put things in remission. We want to reverse the effects, reverse the curse. Because life brings with it damaging and negative effects. And all of that springs from a sinful life, doesn't it? That's why we need more gospels. 
<laughs> that thing needs to go into remission. How does, it, how does it go into remission? Very easy. Take more gas pills. <laughs> more word means more knowledge. More word means more faith. More word means more breakthroughs. If my word level is high, my victory level is high. If my word level is low, my victory level is low. God created us to win. And he gave us a formula. Take more gas pills. <laughs> and then it'll send things that vex and plague and keep coming back around to torment and disrupt God's plan for your life. It'll put that thing in remission. Amen? There's probably something in everyone's life here that needs to see a serious decrease and decline in our lives so that the things of God can come to the forefront. There's things that block our blessings, strongholds that the enemy has built up over time. A lot of it was built up uh, uh, when we were kids with growing up and just, you know, impacted us in such a way that we still carry some of the trauma from what happened way back when. This is why right now the LBGTQRST movement is trying to teach preschoolers their doctrines it's their religion it's a false religion we're not against the ones that are caught up in the to the lie and deception just as to say we're not against the drug user we're not against the sinner the sinner is our goal not our enemy and yet the ones that are leading the charge uh uh-oh if they don't repent and change god take them out Because they're ruining our society. Any attraction and appetite for sin, which leads to destruction. It leads to uh, 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 the, the pain and the sorrow of life needs to diminish and decline in our lives. There needs to be less and less of that and more and more of the blessing of the Lord. Less curses, more blessing. The Lord says, "I see, open your eyes and see, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. We understand a lot more about the blessing than we do the curse. We love the, the blessing part, and everybody loves the shouting and screaming and foaming and flopping and running, and you know, because of the blessing. I do too. I don't do the foaming and flopping part. Really not part of that anymore. Had my moments and realized God doesn't need me to foam and flop to do a miracle. But we know more about that, and we don't want to hear about sinfulness and curses and obedience to things and just, why are you putting all that on me? You're condemning me! No, it's God wants to convict you of sin so that you uh, don't live in it anymore because sin blocks the blessing and it leads to penalties and consequences. This is what Isaiah 53 talks about. Turn over there, Isaiah 53, 5. It says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Transgressions are sins. But notice, in Isaiah 53, 5, there's also not only transgressions, there's iniquities. What's the difference? Why the two words? Because iniquities are different than transgressions. Iniquities are the consequences and penalties for the transgression. There's the guilty phase and then there's the sentencing phase. <laughs> right? Even as Christians, we sin. And if we, don't, if we hide our sin, that's not a good way to do it. Because you never get leniency from the heavenly court. 
Because you haven't confessed it, renounced it, repented of it. So, these are the curses. Iniquities are curses. The first time the word iniquity comes uh, up in uh, conjunction with curses, generational or family curses, is in Exodus 20, verse 5. This is where God gave the Ten Commandments. And at the very first commandment, he says, don't have any other gods before me. Don't bow down to idols and worship them, or the iniquity, the Bible says, will visit your children and your grandchildren. Now, how the heck does that happen? I don't know. But God says you pass things along. I don't exactly know how that all is calculated out, but I know it happens because God says right there that it happens. When we're involved in false religion, we're allowing something other than God to rule and reign in our lives. And this causes a spirit of iniquity to take hold and to start taking root in our life, and it becomes a stronghold or a force on the inside of us that keeps luring us away from God and causes us and even generations after us to bow down to its destructive force. Family curses. This is a core teaching of New Beginnings. Pastor Larry's book, Free at Last, covers so much of this. If you never read that, uh, read it. And if you read it, read it again. It's a core way to, especially if you're uh, if you uh, in that one step forward, three steps back situation. Something has gained a foothold, a root in your life that's blocking the blessing. It needs to be confronted and destroyed. Amen. A spirit of iniquity, a family curse, could be in your life because of a decision or a series of decisions you made. Maybe decisions you made 20 years ago, 40 years ago. And you never canceled those negative decisions, those evil decisions out, repented of those things and said, God, I suddenly realized by the power of the Holy Spirit, I made a pact, I made a promise, I made a vow, I made decisions that were evil and ungodly. I'm sorry, I repent and I renounce that and I break that curse. And Father, come in and bring healing and victory and breakthrough in my life so I can move on. Amen. It could uh, also be something that is affecting you because of something a member of your family did, as we just read in Exodus 20. And what somebody in your family did could even be before you were born. Right? Children or grandchildren. That thing got passed down. What if, what if your uh, uh, great-great-grandpa was uh, involved in something bad? Involved in some kind of religious sect? Right? Or involved in some kind of criminal enterprise? Or just a, uh, there's just a whole host of things that we don't have time to get into today, but suddenly you're affected by that and you're drawn to the very same things and you might not even know what happened because you don't have spiritualancestry.com. So you can't go back and, oh, there it is! But how you're acting today and the things that keep plaguing you today and the going back over and, oh, why do I always do what I don't want to do? Family curse. Even before you were born, it was working. It could be passed on because of something that happened in your family or something that happened to your family. Why do I fail at everything I do? Everything I put my hands to isn't prospering and succeeding. It's just like everything I'm trying to build, I try to build a business, I try to build a family, and it just comes crashing down after a few months. Something's going on there, because that's not the abundant life. 
There's got to be a way that you and the Holy Spirit get real and pinpoint some things, examine some things, and find out what's going on there and come against that thing in the name of Jesus. Bind and rebuke that thing. Renounce that thing. Make some confessions. Release some forgiveness so that you can go on and do all that God's called you to do. can have a righteous anger or an ungodly anger. If, if, uh, if, you, if we come to your house and we see pictures, frames at all different... Why, are, why is that a checkerboard arrangement on your wall? Because you pulled them. There's, you know, I kick my foot. Right? I've done some of that. Just uh, yes, no. <laughs> just teasing. Things like divorce, it passes on. A spirit of iniquity, family curses, pass on from one generation to the next. It can be drug abuse, some kind of addictive behavior, poverty, eating disorder, suicide. I was watching on TV this week. Right now, 25% of all teenagers are contemplating suicide. And so if something like that happened in your family, uh, up, you know, uh, what would be a, a downline or upline? Upline, you need to recognize that's a bad trait. And I don't know all the things that went on, but I do know this by the power of the blood, the power of the cross, the power of the word. I renounce that thing. I repent for my family. I release the power of God to make changes to break that thing so it doesn't pass on anymore. Right? We're talking about family curses. Destructive forces that affect our behavior, our attitude, our personality. It's not just your Irish temper. Right? Many times we don't even realize the reason we continue to do the same stupid sinful things is that it's linked to a curse. And we've never confronted it. We've never broken it. We've never prayed to reverse the curse. Addiction, sickness, failure, depression, dysfunction can usually be traced back in family history. Statistics show that like a a person who was physically or emotionally abused as a child has a strong possibility of becoming an abuser themselves. And then we get into the church, and the church doesn't understand a lot of this, right? Some, uh, we mentioned this before. Well, Christians can't be cursed. We have Jesus. His name is above every name. And that's true. In, Jesus has the name above every name. And who the Son sets free indeed is free indeed. But if you don't recognize the enemy and what's coming against you, how do you pray and rebuke that thing? Well, just, just kind of, that's, that's life. That's the way it happens. I just got bad luck. No. No, it's probably a generational curse. It's, everything has a spiritual cause and effect. We're not human beings trying to have a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. We're spiritual beings, right? Many don't even realize that the things that they're struggling with are linked to a curse that's never been broken. And so it just carries on. It continues to plague the family, and the curse continues to spread. It's a spiritual pandemic. Another way to think about this is what Proverbs 26.2 says. Look at Proverbs 26.2. It says, a curse without a cause shall not come. 
The Bible's telling us that harm, harmful, damaging effects in our lives aren't just random accidents, just happenstance. A curse without a cause does not come. There's an unseen spiritual side that's happening in your physical world. You've been to the doctor. you filled out the forms, right? And they ask you all your family history. Do you have, did your family got cancer? Does it have diabetes, heart condition, da-da-da-da-da-da? Man, it are 96 boxes to check. And you look at all of those, and man, when I've had to do that, I rebuke every one of those in the name of Jesus. These things will not come nigh me, nor my family. If there's any family curse uh, uh, that's trying to get on my, I bind and rebuke it and renounce it in the name and by the blood of Jesus. And you take that authority and dominion. Churches aren't teaching authority and dominion anymore. Just be like a sheep led to the slaughter. Just shut up and do what the secular government wants you to do. So we need to learn to identify and break the power of family curses. In certain hotels, they not only uh, have instructions on what to do in case of fire, in certain hotels, what to do in case of an earthquake. Right? You've been in hotels. What's that all about? Well, because you look out your hotel window, and on the surface, everything looks fine. But people, scientists know beneath the surface, there are earthquake fault lines. And they may be laying dormant at this moment, but when the circumstances and pressure is just right, these fault lines, these Teutonic plates begin to move and change, and suddenly there's an earthquake and all this damage is happening. That happens in the spirit realm too. James chapter 5, verse 16. Look at James 5, 16. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Confess your faults. Didn't say sins. The faults. Those quirky personality traits that always lead to arguments and threats and quarrels and just a a negative vibe in your family. All of a sudden when conditions get just right, things erupt and the next thing you know, I want a divorce. God's showing us there can be a fault or a crack in your life, in your character, or in your personality that's lying beneath the surface. And usually at church, we don't see it. Maybe if we followed you on the way into church, we might see it. (laughs) More arguments happen coming and going to church. Lydia and I, usually uh, our 15-minute drive is usually all prayer. And then I yell at her later. (laughs) But when emotional circumstances, financial pressures, other conditions are just right, it causes a spiritual earthquake in your relationship, in your finances, in your health health, whatever it might be. And we're believers, we're Christians. Why does that stuff keep happening? Family curses. Read pastor's book, Free at Last. And that knowledge will be truth. And the truth that you know and understand will set you free. See, even if what causes a person to act out in a negative way wasn't originally their fault, Let's say it was passed on to you and you just don't even realize something that my great-grandpa did was so demonic or so bad, so negative, so sinful, no one ever repented of that, and now it's passed on and it's replicating in my life. Uh, It wasn't your fault. But it doesn't matter whose fault it was. It's affecting you now, your relationships. And it's leading you, see, this is the the problem we have in the church now in discussing sin. 
Because we don't think our bad attitude is sin. Well, I don't have to forgive that jerk. But we don't look at that as sin. So we carry our grudges and we carry our feelings and emotions and we're just waiting for somebody to say something the wrong way. And uh, to the moon, Alice, to the moon. Right? And we could go on in all these different examples, but they're strongholds and strongholds are like a yoke, a spiritual yoke. You know what a yoke is. And you're yoked to something spiritually that's driving you in a direction you don't want to go. I'm a Christian. I don't want to go that way. And yet you still go that way. You can't say no. Because that sinful force, that family curse, is now controlling your attitude and your actions, your personality. Like, uh, uh, you know, it's one thing to have a personality when you go on stage, like Alice Cooper. Come from a nice Baptist church, loves the Lord, but he, he got an alternate personality. Christians aren't supposed to have alternate personalities. Right? We're supposed to be genuine, authentic, real people that don't act one way on Sunday and then act like the devil Monday through Saturday. Now, we come into this thing, no one's condemning anybody. It takes time to work our way out of things, and we just need to be on the right path. There's no condemnation. There's always forgiveness. But that has to be the predominant thing we carry in our heart, that I'm trying my best, Lord, and I'm going to keep working on this thing. I might stumble and fall uh, seven times 70, but I know I'm going to stay with it until I get the breakthrough. The most common way curses perpetuate themselves is through our thoughts and words. We're actually activating either the blessing or the curse through the power of our tongue. Oh, it's flu season. Well, I bind flu, I bind coronavirus, I rebuke every ungodly thing, and I declare uh, 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 that we have an insulation against all of that in my family, in Jesus' name. And then lather, rinse, and repeat. Lather, rinse, and repeat. Lather, rinse, and repeat. But... The words and thoughts are the engine that drives behavior, either God's way or the other way. And I I don't have time to get into the other way, but go to Galatians 5. In Galatians 5.19, God gives a long, long list. And all of these things are weeds that need to be killed so that your blessing can be released. But the common denominator of all the sinfulness in Galatians, there's other scriptures, is they're all rooted in disobedience to God's word. The Bible says rebellion's like the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion. I don't have to do that. I don't have, why does that pastor always have to talk about that? Why does he keep on meddling in my oven? Why? That's witchcraft. To reverse the curse, we need to follow the great physician's instructions, don't we? Confess our faults one to another and pray that we may be healed of that. Amen. Don't go to somebody who will put all your sins on social media. (laughs) Right? You want to be careful who you come into agreement with, lest it's all over town. But praise God, we have the Holy Spirit who will show us what are the damaging attitudes and actions that are plaguing me and hurting those I love the most. 1 Corinthians 11.31 says, If we were judging ourselves correctly, we would not be judged by God. Personal responsibility. Take a look in the mirror. Be honest with you and yourself and the Holy Spirit. The Word of God is like a mirror. You look in there and you see what manner of man you're becoming, and then you put it down and forget. Don't forget. 
And again, none of us are perfect. We're all in various stages of repair, so we're not pointing fingers. We're just trying to get the truth out there. Amen? Another thing in all of this, don't hide your faults, thinking that that's the solution. Or don't make excuses. Well, that's just the way I am. They're not very good options as believers. Proverbs 28, 13 says, if you hide your sins, you'll not succeed. The method as believers isn't to hide it, it's to confess it. If you confess and reject them, you'll receive mercy. That's a pretty good promise. Proverbs 28, 13. In reality, it should be normal for Christians to work through things in prayer and with righteous action. An example of this is Acts 19. Go to Acts 19, verse 18. Many believers publicly confess their sins and disclose their secrets. That's in the Bible. Large numbers of those who had been practicing magic took all of their books and scrolls of spells and incantations and publicly burned them. Nice. Can you remember when you got saved, you were doing drugs and alcohol to the max? Man, the day I got saved, I went home, went right to the liquor cabinet, took all my pot, all my cocaine, flushed it all down the toilet that day. Just exactly, I didn't know this scripture, but I was led by the Lord to do that. The people not only confessed their sins, they took action by renouncing their former lifestyle. They had been giving themselves over to idolatry and witchcraft, the occult, and false religion. And in order to get totally set free, they had to reject their connection to the sin. And this is why Christians oftentimes struggle. They've left the door open. They're still maintaining contact with people and places and things from the past. And instead of renouncing and eliminating those things, they keep those fatal attractions around, keep them alive. In some instances, the paraphernalia and memorabilia is still on display. You don't need pictures of old boyfriends and girlfriends. Oh, but it was so fun and I feel so nostalgic. Yeah, you're heading for problems if you're still worshiping at the altar of an ex. Can be friends, but (laughs) you don't need a bong pipe in your closet. Well, I paid $48 for that sucker. (laughs) And don't sell it on eBay. They, They burn that stuff. Crush it. This all explains a lot. How come I can't get a breakthrough? You can't have a dream catcher on the the, uh, rear view mirror of your truck and think that you're going to get a breakthrough in some areas because that thing carries with it ungodly evil spirits. Amen. 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 (laughs) There's a lot to teach and we don't have enough time to teach it all. So read Pastor or get the CD series on breaking family curses. There's many lessons. You need to recognize who the enemy is. People aren't your enemy. At the root of it, Satan's your enemy. There's teaching on being forgiving and forgiving others, even those that have hurt you. The Lord says he'll forgive you your sins but on the condition that you forgive those that hurt you. There's people that hate Israel and love the Lord. I will bless those that bless Israel. The first promise in the Bible, I'll bless those that bless Israel and curse those that curse Israel. Better get on the right side of that. That's why you're at New Beginnings, of course. No matter what may have robbed you of a happy past, don't let that keep on robbing you of a happy future. Right? 
when you enter into this kind of revelation, God's going to reverse the curse and you're going to be happier than ever. He's going to give you freedom where there was bondage. He's going to take what the devil was using against you and turn it around and use it as a testimony about how you overcame. Amen. Amen. No matter who you are, what you're facing, God not only forgives every sin, He breaks every curse. And that's what Jesus means when He said, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Right? How many of you are free today through Jesus Christ? Come on. Let's close in prayer. Hallelujah. Bow your hearts. Just think about some things. Let the Holy Spirit move in your life. Father God, we love you this morning and thank you for this revelation. We know that you understand all the situations we've been through in life, the good, the bad, the ugly. You know some of the pain and sorrow and grief that we've carried through the years. And we know that you care about us so much that you sent Jesus so that we would not only have eternal life, but abundant life. Thank you for caring about me and about my future. And today, Father, we come into agreement that every family curse is broken. Father, we acknowledge and repent of every sin from our past. Help us right now, Lord, to let go of all the past hurts and disappointments and all the bitterness that may have led to hatred and revenge and anger and unforgiveness. Cast that stuff out of our lives, Father. We choose this day to walk in love, to walk in peace, to walk in joy, to walk in forgiveness. We ask that you fill us with a fresh anointing in our hearts to serve you in a supernatural way. Give us divine wisdom, divine counsel about how to move forward in our lives, to make amends in our lives, just to get free in our lives, to experience freedom and liberty. Thank you, Lord. Our past is behind us. Our future is in front of us. Thank you that you're reversing the curse and leading us into abundant blessing and abundant life, a quality life, a healthy life, a long life, a blessed life in every way. We love you and thank you all that you're doing in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.